0: Good morning and welcome to Grace. I'm Pastor Ryan. One of the most difficult passages in the New Testament is this phrase from 1 John chapter 2. Whoever claims to abide in him must walk as Jesus walked. In our flesh, this is impossible. It is only when we've been given the grace of God's Spirit that we will be able to reflect his character. Today's message addresses this subject under the heading of The Imitation of Christ. Thanks for joining us this morning as we learn about the two categories of service and suffering where we as disciples are called to imitate our Lord. I wanted to show you guys something special this morning. These gloves here are magic. It's amazing what these gloves can do. Um, These gloves shoveled the whole driveway every time the snow fell. Uh, These gloves have split untold numbers of cords of firewood. These gloves helped me even the other day uh, uh, lift up a trailer. Now what do you think? Is it these gloves? Hmm. It'd be pretty foolish actually for anybody who took a look at these pair of gloves to think that any of those works were due to the credit of these gloves. Surely it's not the gloves that did the work, but what? It was the hand that was inside them. It was the hand that was inside them. Now, i got to tell you something about gloves. Uh, Gloves don't like to be used. Did you know that? They really don't. In fact, if you were a glove, the place where you would want to be found is not at all out in the work fields. You would want to find yourself on the top shelf of the shop center where people could see you glistening in all your glory. So I have a couple of those with me today too. Look at these beauties right here. Unbelievable. Here's the, here's the problem with gloves is that right when you put them on like this, boy, they're really resistant, are they? Like they don't want to, look at this. They're like crispy almost. They don't even want to move. I got all these little knuckle bends in here and the stupid glove keeps fighting me the whole time on it. Except not these. Not these. Do you know there's a big difference between these right here and these? These are used for service. These have been through some suffering. And do you know what happens when I slip my hand in?! Look at that. Yes yeah. Right in there. Even that little funny pinky bend. Look at that. right there. works. Per- See the creases in it? Works perfect. That there's something that has been transformed in the use of these tools. Sure, if they were to examine themselves according to all the other pretty gloves in the store shop, boy, they might feel that they don't measure up. But none of those are useful to me. These are useful to me because these have learned to fit the hand that gives them power. There's a message in here in this illustration for you and I as believers. There's a work to which God wants to do in your life to be useful It's going to be different from the comparison of what the world would esteem to. In fact, there is a resistance latent in your life as well to resist the movement and the encouragement of the one who provides the strength. But here's the beauty. The more that you and I learn to yield and follow after in obedience the direction of that which empowers us, the more you and I will be transformed. You will be changed. And that is a completely different message from what the world would want to see. Um, There is a passage of scripture that we have been flirting around for uh, this morning. The Apostle Paul says to the churches in Galatia that I have been crucified with Christ and therefore I no longer live, but what? Christ lives in me. Can we all say that together? Ready? Christ lives in me. That—that that is the power and therefore the source of all praise in the life of a believer. And as we've been in the series on discipleship, I just want to remind you that installment number one is something that we have to go back to every Sunday, which was that if you are going to follow Jesus, this is what He says: anybody's going to come after Me. If anybody's going to follow Me, He must deny. Help me out. He must deny himself. You must deny yourself. Paul leads with that. I have been crucified with Christ. Therefore, I no longer live. It's Christ who lives in me. And for this morning, that is what we're going to focus on. This is really going to be a part two from what you heard last Sunday from Chris on the indoctrination of truth, looking into a passage of Titus that was giving instruction, not on doctrine, but on behavior, how you live in accordance with the truth of the gospel. And this is right in line with what Jesus says to those who would follow after him. He says, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. The teaching that he's referring to there is not doctrinal. The teaching that he's referring to there is how you live your life now in accordance with the truth. And so for today, you and I are going to look at really two passages of Scripture that have this funny little phrase in them, a phrase that we need to give our attention to, for it's a phrase that Jesus is going to use to implore those who follow after him, you must learn to look like your Lord. You must learn to look like. And therefore, order your life and behavior, that your thoughts would be those that dictate, therefore, your actions to look less like you, and look more like Jesus. I've entitled it, The Imitation of Christ. Two passages. The first one that will lead to the second is first found in John chapter 13. If you have your Bibles, let me invite you to just turn there with me. John chapter 13. Uh, This was, as we alluded to already in our worship this morning, where Jesus is washing the disciples' feet. Now, as you're turning there, I want to give also... Uh, credence to something Chris mentioned in his message last week. There is a commercial that's been put out by a ministry uh, that's called He Gets Us. Some of, you, some of you have seen this commercial, right? And it has to do with this image of foot washing. Uh, there is a measure of correctness in that our Savior sought to come and break down what are cultural barriers that have separated people from understanding the true God. And so that was perhaps somewhat of the intention of those who made that commercial. As Chris mentioned, it's only one-eighth of the gospel, if that. That there's actually something far better than just getting you that God desires. Yes, we understand. And praise the Lord, he does understand and get us. But he wants to do so much more. So foot washing here is something that is displayed by our Savior to the disciples as an act of unifying those who would follow after him by self-sacrificial love. That's the context in which we're in. So with that in mind as a background, look at me starting in John chapter 13 and verse 12. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you? He asked them. I tell you the truth, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you'll be blessed if you do them. This is a long, um, beginning of a long uh, sermon, a final teaching that Jesus gives to his disciples. And uh, I would like for you just to fast forward into chapter 15, because you're going to see something that we just heard. Jesus will reference again this little parable of a servant and a master relationship in the display of obedience. So look with me in John chapter 15, starting in verse 18. John 15, verse 18. Jesus said, If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. You know, that, that was, I think, some of the impetus as to why that ministry organization decided to do the He Gets a series is because they realized that there is such slander that is given by the world towards Christ followers, that it looks like all we do is preach. Can you fill in the word? What do they say? What does the world say? We preach what? Hate. Hate. That's, that's the accusation that is going to be given to you if you seek to stand upon God's truth, even in the most loving fashion to speak against worldliness, godliness, I'm sorry, ungodliness and immorality. You will be accused of hatred. Hold on a minute. What did it say here? Verse 18. If the world hates you. uh, Don't worry about it. That's my paraphrase of Jesus here. Don't worry about it. They hate me too. That's what Jesus is saying. Let's continue. Verse 19. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. Remember the words I spoke to you. No servant is greater than his master. Do you see it again? Twice now, Jesus has given us this picture of what it looks like to follow in conformity to the teachings that he gives his disciples. Are you the master or are you the servant? Which are you? You're the servant. Don't, yeah, don't mess that one up. We'll have a discussion with me. If you think you're the master, we'll fix that. But uh, you are the servant. He's the master. No servant's greater than the master. So that which has happened to the master, you should not be surprised if it happens to you. In fact, one more verse. Just look with me. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. If they obey my teaching, they'll obey yours also. They will treat you this way because of, watch that, my name. That's a really good piece of news for you and I. That the more you find yourself mistreated by a world that hates you is due to the glory of Jesus shown forth in your life. For they do not know the one who sent me. All right. Uh, with this in mind, as we're seeking to understand in discipleship how we would pattern our lives... By imitating Jesus, the first thing I need to do is talk through the character of imitation. So you may hear that word. And the reason why I picked this word is because back in the 15th century, there was a book that was written by Thomas a. Kempis. Maybe some of you have heard it. It's called The Imitation of Christ. It's a little more, I'm on thin ice here, but it's a little more Catholic than I prefer. I mean, you've got to read it with a little bit of help from Scripture. It's not bad. It's, it's actually one of the most widely read books next to the Scriptures. Um... And so I don't want to dismiss that term, imitation. Uh, We have, and you even heard it this morning from Seth's reading in 1 Corinthians. Paul says to the church, to imitate me, he says, but he doesn't leave it there. Imitate me, he says, as I imitate who? Christ. Christ. Your English translation might say, follow me as I follow Christ. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Isn't that what a disciple is? I'm pretty sure that's the whole scope of being a, a disciple, is that I'm learning to follow Jesus, and therefore, not just in a form of intellect, and therefore not just in a way in which Jesus is a, um, utilizing or being a utility unto my best life now. That's not what it means. It means that I would learn to characterize my life after him, to imitate. But I digress, because have you ever had imitation crab? <laughs> Blah! Not taste right, right? It's it is what? It is an imitation. And so we have this funny little word that we gotta fix. If we're gonna hold on to the word imitate, we need to know what we mean when we say imitate. For it can be used in two ways: it can mean to copy or to reproduce from a model. That's how we're using it, but it can also mean a fake or a forgery or a counterfeit. And so this very first observation on imitation is that imitating Christ means giving away what has first been received. To imitate Christ, if you're going to do this as a disciple, you can only do it if you have first received that character and behavior from Jesus. Look with me back in, verse, in chapter 13. Jesus says, you call me teacher and Lord rightly so. That's what I am now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet. What does Jesus do first? Tell them to wash or show them how? Everybody gets this, right? That Jesus demonstrates it for them and that they receive it. End of verse 15. I have set an example for you that you should do as I have done for you. So this is, this is critical for our understanding because if you have not first received The mercy and kindness from God, if you have not first received, therefore knowing him personally as your savior, every action of piety on your part will only be a fake imitation. If you you do not know him as Lord, then the kindness of your acts are like imitation crab meat is what they're like. They're not the real thing. Jesus shows us there is no way around this. You must first have encountered Jesus personally. And in that encountering in your life, you will find a well that never ends, overflowing with that same character for you now to share with others. I wrote this down. If Christ hasn't been received as personal for you, then your imitation is only a forgery. It is a fake. And I want to say this is something that we see happening in our culture today. There are churches and there are Christian books, even publishers, um, with a never-ending list of ways in which you can leverage Jesus as your own personal guru. You can, right? You can have your best life right now if you would just come to church, sow a seed in the offering plate, and make some bogus claim of prosperity over your life. That is happening in churches around our country. Is that a true imitation or a fake? What do you think? Fake. Totally a fake. I'll have you know that that's not actually anything new. This happened in Jesus' day. It was a few Sundays ago. We looked in Acts chapter 8. Do you remember Simon the sorcerer? He, he wanted whatever he saw for the attention of the crowd to have the power of what it looks like when the Holy Spirit comes upon somebody. He's going to die in his sins because of that. In fact, we have this passage in Matthew 7. You may be familiar with this. Jesus says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my father who's in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name cast out demons and perform miracles? Well, look at all the imitation. Do you see it? And Jesus responds. He tells them plainly, I've never known you. I've never known you. you m- meaning what? Meaning you have not first received from me what it means to know me personally. You haven't received that. You've just looked at the amazing things that the kingdom of God can do in a broken world. Because it can. It really can. The wonder of the gospel is that it will change your life. It will turn you from being somebody who wants to be put up on the pedestal saying, I want it my way, to being willing to be used, even abused by this world for the fame and the glory of our Savior. You can't produce that change any other way. And so, yes, there is a power that is seen in the gospel. But if you simply think that you're going to reproduce that power by utilizing Jesus, then your imitation will only be a fake. It'll be a forgery. Second thing I want you to see is that imitating Christ means that we must first learn from Christ. The reason why this is critical is because what this teaches us is that the how is more important than the what. The how you are displaying Jesus is more important than the what you are doing in displaying Jesus. Let me give you an example you could understand. Have you ever uh, encountered a teenager when you've asked them to go clean the room and they said, "Fine, I did it. Happy now." Has that ever been maybe your own heart behind it, right? You're going to have two people cleaning the rooms, identical. One of them with a loving heart, one of them with this vengeful heart. Which one did it right? Or maybe it's apologizing to a sibling. You ever see one of these? Say you're sorry. Sorry. Yeah. I said it. Well, yes, you said it, and it means nothing. Your imitation is what? It's forgery. It's not right. Because you have not learned. You have not learned from Jesus. You may have seen the action, but you missed the how to go about doing the action. Look with me back into the text. This was verse 12. Jesus puts his, his garments back on, and look at the very first thing he says. Do you, do you guys understand what I just did? Do you see that in the text? Do you understand? Because if all they think is that this had to do with the Jewish custom of wiping some dirt off people's feet, then you missed the, you missed the whole point of it. You missed the whole point And so Jesus is going to make sure that they do not run into a pattern of simply reproducing some form of religious ritual like foot washing, which, by the way, we don't do today because you all don't live on dirt roads wearing sandals. And so foot washing has so much more to do with self-sacrificial service out of love that he has to begin with the question. Do you guys understand? Do you understand? Because you got to get that first not about just reproducing the what by the action. It's the way you do it. It's the way you go about serving one another. <sighs> are, are there opportunities to serve here at Grace? What do you think? Yeah. Have you ever felt a little pressure to serve here at Grace? Maybe so. We need to make sure that we're checking our hearts to know the right reasons why we would serve one another and that we do that by learning from Jesus first. Because if you do, if you learn from his model, then you will grow up to look less like you and to look more like him. This is from Luke chapter six. Watch what Jesus says. He also told them this parable. Can the blind lead the blind? Will they both not fall into a pit? The student is not above his teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will what be like his teacher. And so if you're a disciple, great, you're, you're on the journey. Guess what? There's more to learn. You're not there yet. You're just on the path to it. You have so much more to learn. And as you do, you will be grown towards maturity so that you look more like Jesus. Um, this was um, communion in the, in the Corinthian church. Paul writes to them and it says in the following directives, I have no praise for you. Your meetings do more harm than good. When they gathered together, they were practicing what they thought the Lord's Supper was. But look what he says. So then, when you come together, it is not the Lord's supper. We're we're doing it the way he told us. This is what we're supposed to do. This is what whatever apostle showed us to do. Paul says you you can call it the Lord's supper if you want, but it isn't. It isn't the Lord's supper, and here's why. For when you are eating, some of you go ahead without uh, go ahead with your own private suppers, meaning you don't you're not waiting for anybody else. As a result, one person remains hungry. Another person gets drunk. You, you, you're screwing the whole thing up. You could, you could say you're doing it, but the way you're doing it is wrong because you haven't learned. You haven't learned. So if you and I are going to imitate Jesus, lock this down, church. You've got you to gotta really hold this as dear to your discipleship journey. You first have to have received it from him, and then you second have to be a student. To do it and serve and suffer in the way that God calls us. Okay, that being said, there's two categories of imitation that we're given here in these passages. The first is an act that unifies, and it means serving one another inside of the church. In, in John chapter 13, help me out. Jesus is washing their what? He's washing their feet. It's the lowest job, the the newest servant on staff. He's the guy that gets to do the wash pan. Jesus is the highest, most seat of glory in the house. He models taking off this privileged position and he puts on the garments of a servant. And he does it to show the disciples, look with me in the text, he says, I've set an example that you should do as I have done for each other. That God's design for selfless service in command to you and I is for the unity of the body. Have you ever felt that there's things that can divide us? Okay, I don't need to go further with that, do I, right? Shows up all over the place. If you and I have not brought into our pattern of following Jesus as a disciple, the idea that we're to imitate him in unifying each other through acts of selfless service, then we will only be offering a forgery. (laughs) you will be deceiving yourselves. It's just going to church. It's not being the church. And so this is the very first place I want you to see the category that Jesus lays out. This is a category of serving. You guys with me on that? That's the idea. It's not washing feet because we don't do that anymore. Washing feet was an example of serving. Amen? Okay. Second... Is not an act, are not acts that unify, but acts that actually divide. So this was from John chapter 15. Jesus here has modeled the Father in his life in such a way that the world rejects him. The world rejects him. If you are not making enemies in the world, you probably are not imitating Jesus properly. Because the text says, if the world hates you, keep in mind it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. This may be, in my own dissection of the He Gets Us video, my greatest critique, is that even in what I would like to offer as a good intention of trying to build a bridge between the foolish hatred of the world that misconstrues why we would stand where we stand in an effort to show them, look, Jesus ain't too bad. Look, Jesus loves everybody. Hold on, hold on. Don't try to erase this distinction. Jesus embraced it. Jesus, in fact, lived his life such that it would divide. There's a lot more that I can say in this. So many biblical passages where Jesus says, do not think that I have come into this world to bring peace, but rather a sword. And that you, if you're going to follow me, he'll, he'll say, you must hate your own life, even your father and your mother, your brothers and your sisters. He'll say, it's for judgment that I have come into this world. There, there is an aspect of Jesus' life, don't get this wrong, both of these are true, where he wants to unify within those who carry the values of redemption. The church should be unified. You need to serve one another. But then your behavior as it looks to the outside world needs to also follow in accordance to Jesus' life, which did not lead to this kind and loving fellowship this syncretistic mixture of the world and the church that so many churches are confused over. You are supposed to look holy, separate and divided from the world. Now that doesn't mean we hate them, we love them. They, they are what we used to be, amen? And so we do want to lovingly reach out and cross as many borders as we can, but don't ever do it to the watering down of that which would call upon your own life persecution and hatred of those who, who don't know Jesus. In Matthew chapter 10. You see this persecution listed again. With this beautiful little parable from Jesus. The student is not above his teacher. Nor a servant above his master. How many times does he have to tell us that same thing right. It is enough for the students. To be like their teachers and servants. Like their masters. If the head of the house has been called Beelzebub. That was the accusation. It means the prince of demons. That's what they were calling Jesus. So he's like. If that's what they're calling me. Yeah, they ain't going to like you guys. How much more the members of his household? Paul says this to the church in Philippi. It's been granted unto you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him. And so I want you to see that the two categories of your imitation are serving inside the church and suffering outside the church. You guys with me on this? Because if that's true... Uh, we have to be careful how we handle this. Uh, in, in form of conclusions, I want to offer you three that are critical to your following and obedience to imitate Jesus in serving and to imitate Jesus in suffering. The first is this: a true disciple imitates Jesus because they have a relationship with Jesus. This is exactly what we saw already in Matthew chapter 7. Jesus says, Yeah, you've got a, you've got a bunch of the big, big works. Do you know what those works are doing for you? They're making you look nice and fancy up on your top shelf. That's what they're doing. You have taken Jesus as a utility for your own righteousness. It doesn't work that way. He says, depart from me. I've never known you. A true disciple is someone who imitates Jesus because they have a relationship with him. If you look with me back in chapter 13, Jesus gives us a picture of what this looks like. Did you notice that he starts out by acknowledging his relationship with them in verse 13? He says, you call me what? Number one, teacher. And what? Second, Lord. Lord. Uh, fast forward again to chapter 15 because there's, there's another relationship change that we missed. It comes, it comes just in the verses before verse 18 where we picked up. Look with me in verse 15. Chapter 15, verse 15. It's a verse worth underlining. Jesus says, I no longer call you servants. Uh Uh-oh. Because a servant doesn't know his master's business. Instead, I have called you what? Friends. Friends. Ah, do you see the difference? Teacher, Lord, friend. Here's what I want you to know. There's no version of biblical discipleship Where you remain simply acknowledging Jesus as a teacher. He needs to be my teacher. He needs to be your teacher. There's no version of biblical discipleship that simply acknowledges him as Lord, Lord. He needs to be what? Turn to your neighbor. Say, my Lord. My Lord. He needs to be my Lord. He's not just someone's friend. Who is he? Help me out. My Lord. He's my friend. He's my friend. My friend. Yes. I, I want you to see that this is the this I'm, I hope you're even worth acknowledging. I'm not making this up. I'm, I'm simply walking us through exactly what Jesus has done. He is the one who has set forth. These are the titles that need to become more than just titles that remain on a shelf. He needs to be your teacher. He needs to be your Lord. He needs to be your friend. And now you're going to be able to do it right. You're not going to have fake crab meat. All right, number two. Uh, True disciples are those who imitate Jesus will end up looking like Jesus. A true disciple who imitates Jesus will look like Jesus. So remember the categories? Service and what? You remember? Oh, you already forgot. Suffering. Let's get it together. Ready? Service and suffering. Suffering. These are the categories of imitation. By the way, the reason why I'm talking about those as categories is because I don't want to keep you here for three more hours and, and list through all of the nuances of service and all the nuances of suffering. Those, are, those two categories will get the job done. That's exactly what we have laid out for us in the text. Every time Jesus says, no servant is greater than his master, one of them has to do with serving, one of them has to do with suffering. And so these being the categories, let me ask you the question how do you respond to serving and suffering? Who, who do you look most like? You know, we, we need some volunteers to sign up for the readings and children's sermon. And, and we, need, we need people to help with all the mission funding. And, and Lois is leading some helping hearts over to the medical care facility. And do you, do you know what I see as I start talking about these? You know, when the teacher's looking for volunteers, what do people do? What do they Start to look down. Don't make eye contact. Don't make eye contact. Don't, look, don't make eye contact. Yeah. I, I want you to know that in our desire to follow Jesus, here's how it's going to work. He will move you out of your comfort zone. And that is something you, like a pretty little glove, are going to resist. Got to get some dirt on your on your fingers. You got to, and going back to illustration, you know what I'm saying, right? I mean, th- this is the idea that the more that you yield yourself to be used by God, the more you become shaped, malleable into something useful that, oh, it's, oh, it's perfect. It's perfect. I, get, I can do so much with this. Uh, but look at it though. What happened to it? Look, in its use, what ha- I got a bit of a hole in it. Like, it ain't pretty anymore. It's taken upon itself some bruises and some scars. Guess what, church? You decide for live for Jesus in this world. What's going to happen? You're going to get some bruises and some scars. How are you feeling about that? Because if you do, guess who you will look like? If you truly imitate him, you will look more like him. Jesus tells them, I've set an example that you are to now do this, to do what I've done for you. Mark chapter. And for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but he came to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Uh, here, here's a, this, this, will, this will bum you out today, right here. It's a good one. This is, this is uh, Beatitudes, right? Sermon on the Mount. Jesus says, you've heard that it was said, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. Some of us are practicing that. I didn't get any amens on that, but it's true. Some, some of us today want to respond in the same way that we've been treated. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. Come on, man. That's the, really, uh, not my words, church. Jesus' words. Don't resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other cheek also. If anyone wants to take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. If the pastor asks you to serve with the children's message, sign up for two (laughs) weeks in a row. You get the point, right? Yeah. So, so this, this is the issue, right? You, you need to look less like you and more like Jesus. When you imitate him in service, when you imitate him in suffering, you will look more like him, which brings us to our final conclusion. If you look like Jesus, you will glorify Jesus. If you look like Jesus, you will glorify Jesus. And this is where I want to go back to this key idea for our understanding. If you've denied self, You say, I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live. Who's alive now? It's Christ who lives in me. This glove, this glove can do nothing on its own. Jesus says this to the disciples in John chapter 15. If you do not abide in me, you can do nothing. It's not the glove that gets the credit. It's not the glove. It's the power that animates the glove that deserves all the credit. And so the more that you learn to look like Jesus, the more you will glorify him. Um, I want you to know that this also, for my own study, as I've looked at this passage, is the point at which Judas leaves. Judas leaves in chapter 13. Just look with me uh, at that story. Verse 25 of chapter 13, leaning back against Jesus, he said, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered, it is the one who might give this piece of bread when it's dipped in the dish. Then dipping the piece of bread, he gave it to Judas Iscariot, son of Simon. As soon as Judas took the bread, Satan entered into him. What you are about to do, do quickly, Jesus told him. No one at the meal understood why Jesus said this to him. Since Judas had charge of the money, some thought Jesus was telling him to go and buy what was needed for the feast. Or to give something to the poor. What was Judas thinking? He wasn't going after the glory of God. He was going after the glory of his own national identity. Really his own namesake. As soon as Judas had taken the bread, he went out and it, and it was night. Now look at the very next verse. When he had gone, Jesus said, Now is the son of man glorified and God glorified in him. He didn't say that when Judas was there. Judas is now left. And what that means is the modeling of imitation to which the 11 who are left are going to do will result ultimately in a life characterized by serving and suffering. And Jesus says that, this now, this group, this is the time when the Son of Man will be glorified. In your life, in obedience to imitate and look like your Savior, you will be able to say just like we declared together at that song when the... Race is complete. Still my lips will repeat. Yet not I, but Christ in me. Do you get it? Do you get it? A true disciple who looks like Jesus will glorify Jesus. And so I want to ask you just a couple of questions. What has Jesus done for you? You got you to read that question correctly. I didn't ask you what has Jesus done. I asked you what has Jesus done for You. If you do not have a personal relationship with Jesus, it's it's fake crab meat imitation in your life. That's what it will be. But try to answer that question. In fact, next time you're feeling a little bit low, just dwell, meditate on what God has done for you. And the more that you do, the more that you will you will be given that fuel of having received from Jesus and therefore now having the ability to reflect that which you've received. So don't rush, don't rush past that question this week. I want to encourage you that as you drive home, as you eat your lunch today, just let that thought marinate in your heart. What has Jesus done for me? What has he done for me? And if you do not yet know him as your savior, I want you to know that the invitation is wide open, that you would receive that same mercy that transforms us that it can change your life as well. And so these are my next two questions for you, if you know him, it's how are you being transformed in the serving of the church? It's gonna take time, it's gonna take money, it's gonna take work and sweat for you to serve one another. You will come out the other end looking a little bit like this, you will. The transformation that matters though, is not on the outside. Right? See the difference? Look how pretty this one is. Who cares? The transformation is so evident when I try to do this. Oh, hold on. I got it. There we go. See? Just the worst, you guys. Right? Doesn't fit at all. So where's the transforming come in your life when you're serving? It comes on the inside. No. These bodies these bodies are wasting away. Yet inwardly we are renewed. Why? Because I've been transformed to fit. This thing fits perfectly. And that's what I want to ask for you to dwell upon the question. In serving the church, how are you being transformed? Jesus says this in John 12, Whoever serves me must follow me. For where I am, my servant will be also. So if you're going to serve him, you've got to follow him. You've got to do it the way he would do it. Fine, the pastor's laying it on thick today. We've got to sign up to do a bunch of junk. Um, don't do it then. Like you're that's the wrong heart behind it. Yeah. You've missed the whole point. The transformation is gonna look pretty on the outside, but nothing has changed on the inside if you're like this. So yes, we need help, but you need to follow Jesus in that. Don't blaze your own trail to get there on your own. Follow him. And then lastly, how are you being transformed in suffering for the faith? That'll also change you. It, it'll make you realize that the people who you thought were your friends really aren't your friends. Those coworkers who owe you favors, those favors are only skin deep. Even some family members that continually ridicule your childlike faith in that make believe book that you go to every week. That that's the attitude that can come from a lot of people. That persecution will change you. And so listen to, G- listen to Peter's words as he repeats now what we've learned from Jesus. To this you were called, because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example, that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin, no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. But he entrusted himself to him who judges justly, and this is the person who you and I are called to imitate. When we were at the marriage conference, there was this really great line at the very bottom of one of the pages. And this was in the men's section, talking to all the husbands about how husbands need to love their wives. And it said at the very bottom that what God is interested in is not a better man, but that you would learn to follow a better man. And that's what it means to imitate Jesus. And so, church, I want to encourage you serve with the strength of Christ. Serve one another well out of love suffer as those who are guaranteed an inheritance into a life that will never end, following your Savior's footsteps. Amen. Amen.